So there was this couple, married couple, uh, married for, for years, over 60 years, uh, Joan and Lou. Lou got sick, uh, pretty seriously sick, and it was very quick. Um, he was a very thoughtful guy, uh, very kind of organized. He always had things in order, always planned things out. So just before he died, and he knew he was dying, he called Joan over to his bedside, and he handed her these three envelopes. And he said to her, I put all my last wishes in these three envelopes. So when I'm gone, open them and do exactly as I've instructed. And if you do that, then I'll rest in peace. She agreed. A couple of days later, he died. A couple of weeks after that, Joan was having lunch with a couple of her girlfriends. And she tells them about the three envelopes. And they were very intrigued. They were very curious. So they said to her, well, what was in the envelopes? So uh, the first one had uh, $5,000 in it with a note. And it said, uh, please use the money to buy a nice casket. And she did. She, uh, she bought this beautiful mahogany casket for Lou. The second envelope had $10,000 in it with a note. And it said, uh, please use this for a funeral and for the reception afterwards. Like, make it a nice day. Bring everybody together. And she did. The third envelope had $50,000 in it with a note. And it said, uh, please use this to buy a nice stone. So her, her friends were just sort of very touched by this. Uh, that's so beautiful. Did you order the stone, they asked. Did I order it? I'm wearing it as 10 carat time and go, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> you ever notice how jokes very often, like they come in threes, there's like, very often three parts to a, a joke or, or a story. An Irishman, an Italian, and a Jew walk into a bar, and then, you know, whatever happens. A, a priest, a rabbi, and a minister want to walk into a bar. They're always going into bars, it seems. But it always seems to be three. People say that two isn't enough, and four is kind of like too much, unnecessary, over, overkill. Three is kind of the right number. Three makes the point. You see it all over the Gospels, actually. The number three. Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ has come from the dead. Jesus returns to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Gethsemane three times. He brings three apostles with him. Peter denies Jesus three times. <clears throat> Excuse me, this gospel today, three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Jesus falls three times carrying the cross. These resurrection stories, Jesus after he's risen, we've been hearing them the last couple of weeks, he appears three times. Mary Magdalene, last week it was uh, to the apostles in the upper room, and today it's on the shore of the lake 
while the apostles are in the boat. He keeps showing up to these very heartbroken and grief-stricken and guilt-ridden people. People who were kind of adrift, lost. It's interesting, they never, people never recognize Jesus right away in these resurrection stories. Eventually they do, but not in the beginning. There's usually like a conversation, an interaction. They still don't know it's him, and then something clicks. Something is said, something is done, and they realize who they're with. And then hope is restored. Remember when I was in my, uh, my first parish, we had this guy, this old, older gentleman, his name was uh, Frank. I think I might have told you about this guy once before. He was a great guy. He was probably in his mid-80s. And uh, he never married. He was a pretty successful guy, business. He lived with his sister, who was a, a widow. He was always at mass. He had cancer. He had cancer for a couple of years, um, going for treatment. Anyway, one day he got uh, very kind of bad results from the doctor, pretty much. And he kind of knew this was coming. He was basically told that there really wasn't much more that they could do. But he wasn't really afraid, like at all. I remember being very sort of struck by that and kind of inspired by it, to be honest, like his fearlessness about death. Like he so much, he so knew about, believed in heaven. And he'd be seeing the people that he loved who went before him. So he wasn't fearing death at all, but he was fearing this, um, leaving his sister. He was worried for her or about her. She had no kids, and it was just the two of them. There were no nephews or nieces. And he said to me that she was very kind of dependent on him. So she was panicking. At the th- he was panicking at the thought of her now being on her own. And that was his worry. Anyway, he was driving home from the, that doctor appointment. And all he's thinking about is his sister. And he stops to get gas. And uh, the guy's pumping the gas, and he's just sitting in the car. And he said he, he kind of looked at his side mirror, and he could see the guy pumping the gas. And the guy pumping the gas was looking at him, kind of like they were both looking at the same mirror. They could see each other, and he could tell he was kind of looking at him. But it wasn't like creepy, or he wasn't nervous. It was more just he was looking at him, and he kind of gave each other a nod. Anyway, the guy finishes pumping the gas. Frank pays the bill. And the guy stays there for a second. Like, he should have been like, okay, see ya. But he doesn't. And he pauses for a minute. And then he leans in into the kind of the window closer to him. And he says to him, uh, she's going to be okay. And he looked like he, he couldn't believe, it was almost like he was reading his mind. And then he leaned in and he, he kissed him on the forehead. I mean, if my, if my gas station guy kissed me on the forehead, <laughs> I'd be a little nervous. But like he wasn't, he said he wasn't at all. Like he, it was nothing, he just, and he said he just, this peace kind of overcame him. 
He left, the guy didn't say anything after that. I think the guy just walked away and he was like, and he's driving and he said he just sort of that anxiety and that dread that he was feeling about his sister really kind of like went away. Anyway, so that was whatever day that was and a couple of days passed and he can't get this guy out of his head. And he had to go back to the doctor for another checkup of some kind. And he passed the gas station and he said, I'm going to go in and thank this guy. And he goes in and the guy's not there. And he goes into the, to the office. And the guy behind the desk says, what, what day were you here? And he said, I was here last Thursday. And Frank started to describe the guy. He said, yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. He said, he was here that one day. He said, I hired him the day before. He came in that day, and he never came back. He said, I never even paid him. I don't know where the guy went. So Frank told me that. And he was like, who do you think that was? Like, what do you think happened there? He asked me. I was like, I don't know. I mean... He said to me, do you think it could have been like an angel? Or could it have been maybe Jesus? And I was like, well, yeah, it could have been. It totally could have been. I mean, if we believe Jesus rose from the dead, why should we find that impossible to believe? Now, I'm also not saying I absolutely am convinced it was a God-sent person or an angel or Jesus. I mean, I don't. I don't know, it's probably, I'm looking at all of you, I'm sure there's a bunch of you that are like, totally believe that somehow it was God-driven. And you have little or no doubt. And I'll bet there's another bunch of you here that are like, uh, I don't know, you know, you're believers, you wouldn't be sitting here today, but you're like, I'm not sure if that was, I mean, I just think it might have been a, a coincidence. I mean, maybe, maybe it was. I believe Frank, I don't think Frank was making it up. That's the only thing I feel pretty confident about. He wasn't, he wasn't somebody who would just make that up. So what was that? Maybe it was a coincidence. Or maybe it was something else. It's interesting. Like He keeps showing up in these Gospels. And he shows up to people that are in bad shape. People who are not having a good day. And he seems to appear, and it's not clear who he is, at least not initially. We had a, back in September, I think it was September, we had a uh, Beach Catholic, we had a women's retreat. It was a great, a great retreat. We had it out at the seminary in Huntington. I think about 45 ladies came to it. Got out there Friday night, left Saturday night. One of, the, one of the presentations, one of the talks on this retreat was given by this nun. She was really wonderful. And she told us, us about this experience she had on a retreat. She was uh, leading a retreat for these, a group of women, it was about 15 women, I think, who had had abortions and who were kind of coming to terms with that with just sort of their regret and uh, 
the effects of it, you know, the guilt and just like a bunch of like legitimately kind of hurting people. They were trying to make peace with it and with God and that's kind of what this whole weekend was supposed to be about. Just them discovering God's crazy mercy. So part of the retreat, they, uh, on, one, on the, I guess, Saturday afternoon, this sister and these women go to this little park. Right near the retreat house, there's a little, like, a pond or a lake. And she asked them, she had, the sister had a, a, a bag of rocks with her. And she took out a rock, and each, each woman got, it was handed a rock. And then she said, and they were handed, like, Sharpies, magic markers. And she asked them all to just think about their regrets. Like the regrets of their life. Things they wish they could have done over. So for all of them, I think, you know, the abortion was certainly one of them, but it was like, we all got regrets, right? So it was, you know, I think they were writing lists down. Or, you know, add, you know their own lists. And they weren't even sure why they were being told to do this. And then the sister then talked a little bit more about God's mercy and forgiveness and starting over and the fact of it, the truth of it. Jesus is constantly talking about that, always talking about that, more than anything else. So then she asked the ladies, she said, could you pick up your rock? And they did. She said, now could you throw it in the lake? And they all threw these rocks in the lake. And it was just a, symbol, a gesture of, I gotta be done with this. I gotta move on. I deserve peace. And I need to have a greater understanding of God's love for me. And that was just sort of a, a way of symbolically doing that. That happens at this retreat. Right before it happened, these two women, not strangers we'll call them, they're walking along this path, approaching this group. So they kind of see it from a distance. They, they see them sort of in a circle, and all of a sudden they see them throwing the, a rock into the lake, and they're just curious. So they come upon them, and they, they ask them, like, what, what are you doing? And then the sister explains kind of what I just told you. And they just were like, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, and that was it, and they left. Fast forward two years from that time. And this nun is at a, in a chapel where they're doing, having like a, like a prayer, an evening of prayer. And a woman comes up to this nun. And it was one of these two women at the lake. And she said, I don't know if you remember me, you know, but, and she didn't, you know. And then she, she, she got a little more specific. She mentioned, you know, the, the retreat and the rock. She's like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I do remember you, you know. She didn't remember her by face at first, but now she did. So they talked a little bit, and then she said, I'm, I'm here for a reason tonight. And then she said, uh, I'd like you to meet my little boy. He was two. So the sister kind of picks him up, and you know, it's like a cute little guy, and then she says, I was pregnant with him that day at the lake, and I was planning on aborting him. And for some reason, we decided to go for a walk, my friend and I. And we came across all of you. And I changed my mind. 
And now I couldn't imagine my life without him. So I just want to thank you. It's like Frank's story. Like maybe he continues to appear to us. Maybe he sends us his people. Maybe we're supposed to be sent to that lake or where Frank was in a very dark, frightened time in his life. And maybe we're supposed to appear and offer words of, you know, hope and mercy, if that's needed, company, kindness. Maybe he's supposed to use us. No, definitely he's supposed to use us. So there's two stories, right? Frank and the mother by the lake. But there's supposed to be three, right? So you go be the third.